0: Baby, I especially when it's a first child, I just enjoy the excitement that's there, the the, the sense of uh, camaraderie and family and love that uh, is there as they view this new miracle of God. But I especially like to watch new fathers. New fathers get this glazed-over look. Uh, very quickly after their first child is born. You'll catch them at the nursery at that glass. They'll just be staring. It looks like they're a zombie. They can't take their eyes off of that little baby boy or little baby girl. And when he sees the his little one start to get uncomfortable or a little fussy, he'll start tapping on that window getting that nurse's attention. Leave, leave them alone. Come see about my baby. Come see about her. He's crying. You come. Hey, tap, 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 tap. Come see about my baby. Such pride that there is and joy in being a father. You take them home from the hospital and reality hits you right in the nose. There's diapers to change. There are uh, bottles to make. There are feeding schedules. Babies get sick. You don't get sleep. It's a whole new world. As the father realizes that that baby is helpless and that baby is totally dependent upon him and will be for the next 17 or 18 years of his life. I don't want to scare you, but I did some research and according to a 2017 study by the United States Department of Agriculture, it cost $233,610 to raise a child today to age 17. With inflation, it soars to almost $300,000. That's not including college. Send them to college. The Department of Education says the current price is just a little under $30,000 a year. Put a kid through college, just tuition we're talking about, is one hundred and ten to $120,000 that they will need. It's a pretty awesome thing <laughs> to birth a child today. And I again, I, I don't share these statistics in any way to scare you or to upset you or to cause you to doubt any family planning that, that you all have done. But I ask these questions or make this statement all to ask this one question. Parents, how many times or how often do you think about your children? How often do thoughts come into your mind that relate to those that you're responsible for? Let's just say this morning, you woke up. How many times since you woke up this morning to right now, how many times have you thought about your children? About last week? The number of times that thoughts just came into your mind. Or maybe you were at work and you were doing uh, the busyness of your work and all of a sudden something someone said or something you saw Put your thoughts back on your children or the needs of your children. Maybe you're just driving down the road and maybe you a smell comes into your car. or maybe you pass by a football field or another type of sports field or an auditorium or a park or some place, that floods your mind, floods your mind with memories of your kids. How about in your lifetime? How many thoughts will you have about your children? How many times in your lifetime will your thoughts go back to your kids? What? A million, hundred million, billion. It's it's incalculable how many times that parents go through life and their thoughts are on the safety, protection, and meeting the needs of your your children. I ask you that. Because this is what David was beginning to understand in Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. Listen to how David phrases these, these words. He says, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I'm awake, when I awake, I am still with you. David is beginning to understand something about God that, that overwhelms him. David is, be, is being given the revelation and the understanding of the fatherhood of God. David is learning something extremely important about the parenting of God toward him. We remember the context of Psalm 139. David has been involved in in telling us Uh, about God's overseeing his entire birth, creation, and life. He speaks of God seeing him as an embryo, zygote even, before, before he's ever created. He speaks of God hovering over him and imprinting his DNA code within him. He speaks of God unraveling these strands of DNA. Remember the ball with all the strings? and God is unraveling this and then knitting them together. God is forming a person as he did with you and me. God then said that he was the author of every day of his life he recorded his days within god's book and he said that god constantly surrounded him remember the hedging in god was god hedged me in before me and god came in then after me god was always around me he hedged me in so that he could walk with me and place his hand Upon me. And through all of this information and this understanding, through this revelation that God was giving to David at this time, David is given the discovery of the fatherhood of God, of the depth of love of God. Again, he says in verses 17. And 18, how precious, and we're going to look at that word, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great the sum. There are two things that David addresses with regard to how God thinks about him. Now hang with me. David is giving us Insight into how God thinks. Now that's pretty important. If we are followers of God, we've got to know what He thinks, how He thinks, what He's telling us to do. We've got to know our Creator. And David is talking about the way God thinks about Him. And he talks about, first of all, the quantity of thoughts that just rain down from God about him. And secondly, he addresses the quality of thoughts that God has. He says again, how great, again, are the thoughts of God, your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them, the quantity of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the sand in the sea. When David realizes who God is to him, he suddenly understands that God thinks about him all the time. David realizes that God is, that that he is never off of God's mind, the quantity of thoughts. The total sum is immeasurable, impossible to calculate. Now, that's a similar relationship to the question I asked you early on, how many thoughts do you have about your child? The reality is, when you are a parent, you never get away from thinking about your children, right? Even even when they grow up, and even when they get married, and they have children of their own, your thoughts are never away from your child. And David said, God is like that. As much as we think about our children as, as much hope as we have for our children, as many good things as we give to our children. He is the perfect father. He is the holy father. And David wants us to know that you and I are constantly on his mind. Now that could be a good thing or a bad thing. There were times when my kids were on my mind and it wasn't a good thing. At least it wasn't a good thing for them. So if God thinks a lot of thoughts about me, what kind of thoughts are they? You see, some people think that God's thoughts about us are angry. That God is constantly mad at us. That we mess up, and God knows it, and we mess up again, and God gets angrier, and we keep messing up, and God just is, is huffed up, and his, his uh, uh, cheeks are puffed out, smoke's coming from his, his ears, and every time he looks at us, he just is disgusted, and he's let down, and he feels like that we can't measure up. So many people think that God's thoughts about us or angry, angry or judgmental, you're gonna pay for that. <laughs> you're gonna wish you hadn't done that. I'm gonna see to it, you don't do that anymore. So many of us, as God's people, live our lives thinking that God thinks of us in an angry, judgmental, negative way. But David said, that's not at all the case. Yeah, God thinks about us all the time. Yeah, we're on God's mind all the time, but then he tells us the quality of thoughts or the kind of thoughts David, that God thinks about us. And it's all compressed in one word that David uses. Again, in verse 17, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. That word precious is pregnant with meaning and color and fullness. David intentionally used this word, the Hebrew word yakar, Y-A-K-A-R, precious. It's rendered precious. Initially, this word meant to be heavy, as in something being costly and worthy it, it, it spoke of something being well built well constructed and therefore it is important it is it is precious later the term came to identify people in other words, The word transitioned from just calling things rare and worthy and of great value to identifying people in their lives who were of great value, important, precious to them. Well, David takes the term, and he gives it meaning to the way God thinks about us. Your car. When God thinks about you, he thinks your car. He thinks precious, valuable, of great worth, something that is rare. And priceless. Yeah, God thinks about you all the time. We're never off of his mind. But the thoughts that he has. Are wonderful thoughts. They are holy thoughts. They are thoughts that say. I love him so Thoughts that they are so precious to me. Think about it this way: <clears throat> when you see your child as they grow up, and you see them say participating in in uh, 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 children's program at the church, and you see them all little ones taking their their places up, you know, at the at uh, on the podium or the the front and they're standing there and they're all singing and you keep your eyes locked on yours you're so proud that they're singing and they're singing in church and as they grow up and do other things and the pride that you feel and even when they disobey or they make mistakes you certainly don't stop loving them Why would God feel any differently toward us when he loves us with a perfect love? I'm telling you, God rains thoughts down on you constantly. You are never off of his mind. And when he sees you, I want you to know it brings a smile to his face. When he thinks of you, there is a joy, a warmth that fills his heart because there is perfect love being shined down on you. David was realizing the way that God sees him, the way that God feels about him, the passion that God has for him, He was awakening to the reality that he was on God's mind all the time as a precious commodity. And David responds this way. He says, in effect, holy cow, this is overwhelmingly incredible, amazing. This is astounding. He says, your presence with me your passion for me brings me such comfort and such joy and hope delight help and peace he said i don't want to ever be away from your presence please lord don't ever leave me please lord don't don't take this realization from me raining those thoughts of love and joy and peace and help and holiness down upon me. Please, God, don't ever let me lose that. And he ends by saying, and I went to bed, and when I woke up, I was still full of the reality of the love of God. You know, if we could get a grip on that, If if we could gain a very real understanding and see God as holy father who looks upon us with great joy, I'm telling you, it would change the way we live. It would change the way we see God. It would change the way we see ourselves. It would change the way we see others. It would be a bridge to loving one another because we would be filled with his love. The thoughts of a father for his children. I have a son named Ryan. Ryan. He has a new little baby. That's his wife, Lizzie. Jake's about six months old now, I think. When my son went to college his first year, he had a very difficult first year of college. In fact, it was a crisis for him. His love at the time was baseball. His junior year, he was outstanding, all-star, all-district catcher, set a team record in home runs. I mean, he had a great season. He got hurt in football his senior, the last game of his senior season. So when he came into baseball, he started off strong, but then something happened he said, Dad, my arm hurts really badly. And there were times that he could rifle the ball to second base and throw a runner out, and then there were other times he couldn't get the ball back to the pitcher. The, the uh, um, doctors and staff at the high school Told us what anything to worry about, just heat nice and he'd be okay. Well, he'd go okay for a little bit and then he wouldn't be able to hardly do anything. It affected his swing, it affected everything. So his senior year in baseball was not what he had hoped it to be. Ryan ended up going to a small college <clears throat> to play baseball. The primary reason he went is because the coach had, had recruited both Ryan and one of Ryan's best friends off of that team to come and play. And so Ryan went uh, to Harnsons University to play his first year. And at first, everything was going well. He called me, he said, Dad, I'm averaging, hitting two home runs every practice. And I said, son, that is, that's outstanding But then a week later, he called and said, Dad, it's my arm again. So they took him, uh, the doctor there at the the college, and uh, he went through all the process. And he found out that my son had a torn labrum. In fact, it was torn in half and torn in two different places. So his labrum was all messed up in his shoulder. He had to have surgery. It was nine months, they said, nine months before he could pick up a baseball. Well, he went through the rest of that year there, not being able to play, not being able to engage with the team, kind of off by himself. When he came home from school that first year, I could immediately tell something was wrong. It didn't take long for him to call me into another room. And he said, Dad, I want to tell you something. And my son is not like his dad, overly emotional. Uh, He's a lawyer, for goodness sake, so... Very little emotion there. But he told me, he said, Dad, I want you to know, tears began to, <clears throat> he said, this has been a really hard year for me. And uh, he said, I want you to know, I start, I've i gone to some, some parties and I've been drinking some. He said, I don't want to do that anymore. They said, I just didn't know what to do. I got up and I went over to my son. I put my arms around him. I said, son, no beer, no mistake, no wrong direction will ever keep me from loving you. And I'm glad that you told me that. I'm glad you got it off your chest. But of course I forgive you. I will always forgive you. And then I told him something that I told him a thousand million times in his life. And I tell him to this day that out of all the kids that God ever created, out of all the little boys God ever created, I am so glad he gave you to me. I am so glad I'm your daddy, and I will always be your daddy, and I will always, always love you more than anybody else. I will always be on your team. I will always be on your side. I will be your greatest defender and supporter. And the reason I responded the way I did is because I knew that's what God had been telling me about me from Him. It's a perfect holy love. You fight those thoughts, negative thoughts, that you think about God and you think he thinks about you. It's a lie. It's a lie from hell. David said, the thoughts he thinks about me more than the grains of sand. And he thinks thoughts That are precious about me. He calls me rare, unique, and of great value. It brings God joy to think about you. Consider yourself the apple of His eye because you are. Thank you for joining us for this Highland Sermon from Dr. Johnny Funderberg. If you live in the Clovis, New Mexico area, we'd love to have you join us one Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located at 2201 North Main Street in Clovis. For more information about our church, visit highlandclovis.com. And to let us know a little bit more about you, choose the Connect tab and click on our online visitor card. You can also submit your prayer requests under the Connect tab. Lastly, follow us on Facebook at hbc.clovis to keep up to date with our announcements, events, and online services.